0: You are listening to Overcomers Church International podcast. Here at OCI, we are dedicated to our vision of building strong people and building strong churches. From wherever you are listening, we hope that this message leaves you equipped and encouraged. no want to I w I wanna I wanna talk tonight for a little bit and I and I had to ask Liz because I wasn't hundred percent certain and I kept feeling really drawn to share on this one particular thing and I said if I shared this in Bonterra and she said no. So if you've heard this already here, it's Liz's fault because she told me that I had So, you know, when you minister like several times a week, you get to a point to where we're learning to like write things down. And I went back and I scrolled to the podcast and I don't think I had ministered this, but even if I have ministered it, it's going to come out different because the Lord's really on me to share this tonight. And I'm going to just kind of combine it with some other things that he's been, he's been sharing with me. But you know, really when it comes to what we have and who we are, the Christian walk, it's not a matter of getting something from God, but it's really a matter of walking out or manifesting what God has already given us. And so what we're dealing with, and the reason that is so challenging is is really because of how messed up our souls are, not our spirit, but our souls. And when you look at, um, oh, there they are, when you look at uh, the realm of the soul, there's a lot inside of our soul that has gone on over the years. Now, that's different than your spirit. I'm going to explain this in just a second. And when you look at the things that have gone on on the inside of our soul, which is your mind, your will, your emotions, and your conscience, when you look at that, we have all experienced uh, problems in our soul, soul trauma. We've experienced um, e- embarrassment and shame and rejection, and there's a whole list of things we could go through of what we've experienced. And I found out something uh, interesting recently. This this thought came to me, is that. Actually, I heard somebody say it, and then I really begin to meditate on it. But your body, I mean, just, just generally speaking, I know not every, every circumstance would be like this, but your body is made to heal itself. And so, like, if you cut your finger, uh, your body will naturally begin to heal itself, and it will send the nutrients and the things to that cut. And eventually your your finger or whatever will, will be mended. Now, if it's a really serious cut, it might acquire require a little bit more attention or whatever. But even if even if you stitched it up, um, you don't leave stitches in there permanently, you pull them out because it allowed your your you know, time for your your skin to mend back together. And so you understand that. So your body is made to to mend itself, to heal itself, but your soul cannot be mended without you giving it special attention. It re- it requires us to deal with our mind, our will, our emotions, and our conscience intentionally if we're going to be healed, and not just healed, but made whole of the things that have caused damage to us. See, there's a lot of things that, that we deal with, we go through in life. There's a lot of stuff that we go through in life, and we might get healed up from it, but it left damage there, and if we're not careful, we could be healed in a sense, but not be made whole. So going back to the idea of, you know, like, like the, you know, your body, you know, you could have, you know, your arm could be chopped off or something and, uh, you know, you could stitch it up and to where, you know, you don't have an arm there, but it heals in this sense to where it stops bleeding and you're still alive, but you're not whole because you're missing an arm, right? And, um, so your soul can really be the same kind of thing. And I don't really even believe it can be healed without help, the help of the Lord, but a lot of times, we walk through life, and it's like the bleeding has stopped internally, but we haven't gotten the thing totally made whole, and so we continue to limp through life. And it's really important that we pay attention to things that have affected us negatively that are keeping us from walking in the fullness of what God has for us. So the Word says in uh, 3 John, and if we can pull this up here, Third John, there's one chapter, and in verse 2, we know this well, but Third John one, there's chapter 1 and verse 2. It says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things. Somebody say all things. And be in health just as your soul prospers. So when it's saying just as your soul prospers, that, that phrase just as means in accordance with or proportion to. So when he's saying, I pray that you prosper and be in health just as your soul prospers, he's saying to the measure that your soul enters into prosperity, which is your mind, your will, your emotions, and your conscience, to the measure or to the proportion or in accordance to the health of your soul, the wholeness of your soul, the prosperity of your soul, that will be the measure for the, of the rest of your life into the direction that your life goes. So if you don't prosper in your soul first, you won't prosper in the other areas, so this is really, uh, to me, really where the rubber meets the road in terms of taking what God has given and then seeing it come to pass in our life. Because the gospel is simple. It's, it's the most simple thing. What the Lord has done for us is so simple. It's just that it's um, it can be difficult working it out in our life, but it's not because it's unsimple. It's because we deal with a lot of stuff in the realm of our soul that we need healing. And in fact, we need wholeness in a lot of areas. So let me break this down a little bit more. And so we are, and I use stick figures, all right? So we are three parts, and I'm just going to draw this quickly, and then we're going to go into the realm of the soul and talk about this. It's getting worse as I'm going. This is the, This is horrible. It's getting worse. Okay, so we're, we're three parts, all right? We are spirit. Y'all stop laughing at me. and Just pray for me. Spirit. You ought to pray for yourselves, what you do, ought to do. Spirit, soul, and body. We are not three people. We are one person, but we are one person with three parts. Does that make sense? And so when we got born again, and as a matter of fact, you can back this up in, this, in the scriptures. Let's pull up 1 first, uh, first Thessalonians chapter 5, 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 23, and look at what it says here. It says, now may the God of peace sanctify you completely And may your whole, so it's talking about your whole person, may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So this verse right here says that our whole person is three parts, a spirit, soul, and body. And so what we have to do is we have to learn to uh, discover, and if I could use the word dissect, discern is a better word to use. We need to properly discern what is what. And the reason is because if you read the scriptures and you don't know what it's referring to, you could be really confused. So in 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says that if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, all, uh, old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I think I'm quoting that right. And so the deal is that when you read that, you could read that and believe it, but then be very confused at the same time. Because you go, you know, you can look at your physical body and be like, well, I still look the same. I gave my heart to the Lord. I got born again. I got changed. I'm a new creation, but I still physically look the same. And so most people be like, all right, I understand it's an internal thing. But then internally, we really have two parts that are working inside of us. We have our, uh, we have our not most inner man, but we have our soul. And then we have our most inner man, our our spirit. And our soul is, is the realm where we will feel things, we will think things, we'll often believe things, we'll have attitudes, we'll have lots of things that go go on in there. Uh, wrong feelings, we might even deal with unforgiveness. There could we could be dealing with sin. There's a list of stuff that we could have going on in our soul, and then we read that when when I came into Christ that the old things passed away and all things have become new we read that and go well, i just don't understand the bible's so complicated because it says that i'm new but yet i still have this all all the same old stuff that i've been dealing with this is where an understanding of spirit soul and body has to come into play because when we got born again this was the part of us that got completely changed 100% and there's many different places in the word that d- depict this but when we got saved Our spirit got completely changed, made whole, made new, and became just like the Lord. As a matter of fact, it says in Ephesians 4 and 24, it says to put on the new man, which was created in Christ according to righteousness and holiness. So we were, if it's saying we're created holy, we're created righteous, is that talking about in the realm of our body? No, we can just look in the mirror and tell that that's not exactly right. Is it talking about the realm of our soul, our mind, will, emotions, and conscience? No, because you can, your conscience can be seared. Your conscience can be defiled. You know, your will can be totally towards other things. You know, your mind can have issues. You know, all of that stuff can have issues. So it has to be talking a process of elimination will tell us that the change took place inside of our spirit. And so this is beyond essential to understand this. And if, again, if we don't understand it, and I didn't understand this for a long time, and so I operated in the realm of confusion. And I just couldn't seem to figure out, like the Bible said that I have this, and I have this, and God's given me this, and he's blessed me, and he's helped me, and he's done all of these things. But then I wasn't experiencing it. And the, the reality was is that I was dealing in the realm of the soul so strongly. And actually, you could say I really wasn't dealing with it so well. And everything in my soul was so messed up, and I'm still a work in progress. Liz is like, yeah, thank God you're still working on it. But, um, you know, I'm still a work in progress. Uh, but the to the measure that I've taken my soul and I've brought the reality of who I truly am in the spirit into my soul as a part of my belief system is the measure that I've manifested that blessing and that life of Christ that's on the inside of me. Is this making sense to everybody? And so here's what I want to do. I'm going to, um, actually, I'm just going to turn this around real quick, and let's do this. We're going to focus just on the realm of, actually, I didn't finish. Let's do this. I just want to show you guys how awesome I am here. I wanted to do, <laughs> I wanted to do one more thing before I did that, and maybe I'll just keep it flipped like this. But inside, and I want to make this distinction, inside, and that's, that's, a, that's a mind or a brain right there, right? That's the, that's the part that is really... Uh, at work, okay? And I want you to see this that there is we have a, let's just call it a mind. We have a mind in every part of us. Our body has a mind which we call our brain. It's the physical organ inside right here. Uh, our s- soul has a mind which we call our mind, all right? And that's the that's the inner working. It's really the central processing unit, if you will. And then our spirit, is really when it, the mind that's in it, when it ta- the Bible talks about that we have the mind of Christ, that's not talking about how, you know, you're getting ready to take a test. I used to do this because we went to private school, and, you know, I'd get ready to go take a test, and I didn't study for it. I just barely glanced over whatever, and I would pray. And they would always tell us, you know, pray before you take the test. And, you know, their, their idea of us praying was like, you know, Lord, help me do my best. And, and my idea was praying is like, Lord, help me not fail because you and I both know that I didn't study for this test, you know. But we would always pray this prayer, I have the mind of Christ. And I, I'm not saying that's a wrong prayer, but what I am saying is that the, that's a wrong understanding of what the mind of Christ is there for. And the mind of Christ, it's not your physical brain and it's not in your soul, but it's the mind inside of your spirit, man, that has the capacity to know and understand. As a matter of fact, I really believe it's true that it already does know and understands everything that's in Christ. And I don't have time to get into that, but our spirit man, Jesus has come to live inside of our spirit man. Christ dwells in our hearts by faith, but we also know that the Holy Spirit has come to live on the inside of us. Let me ask you a question. When he came to live on the inside of us, did he lose any of his attributes? Did he lose any of his knowledge? Did he lose any of his power or his authority? No, the answer is no to every one of those things. So everything that Christ is, everything that God is, is on the inside of our spirit. And so the process of the Christian life is getting our soul to come into alignment with our spirit so we can reap the benefits of what it has to offer. And see, we can, we can this this might seem a little bit deep for some people, but you can just look at, just just take like a Just the process of elimination or just the way you've gone about life. And, you know, you can tell that there are certain times. You know, I take worship, for example. Have you ever had a time during worship to where you just felt the presence of God? And, I mean, it was just overwhelming you, and it was just awesome, and it was powerful. And you could look, and the reason was is because you were thinking on him. You weren't thinking about your problems. You weren't thinking about your issues. You were thinking about him. And it caused the life of Christ that was in you to begin to flood out and to come in, and you, you received the benefits. But then if you also had times during worship to where you got through with the whole thing, and you got 12 people around you. They're like, that was awesome. And you're like, oh, it was so awesome. And you're just trying to agree with them to save face, but you had a horrible time during worship because your attitude stunk, and your attitude stunk because you were thinking about other things. So what changed? Was the Lord with you at one time and he wasn't with you? No, he's with you all the time. The difference was the realm of the soul. You were dealing with something or not dealing with something, and it was causing you to, to walk in or manifest less of the benefits of what God has for you. So it's really coming to this place to where we renew our mind that's in the realm of our soul, and to the measure that we renew our mind is the measure of the life of Christ that we manifest in our life. I really, truly believe that everything in the Christian walk is a process of, of renewing our mind to become our mind and our soul to become more like the mind and our spirit, which is in perfect union with Jesus. We are The Bible says that we are one with him. We are one with him. When you have something that is, that is one, there is a unison that's there. And there's a oneness that's there that they, they're syncopated, almost like a carbon copy. And it says that Jesus was the firstborn among many brethren, which means that there were other ones born after him, which is me and you. When we got born again, we were born from that same DNA, from that same nature of God. And all of the life that was in Jesus when he was here on the earth, earth is also inside of us because as Jesus is in this world, so are we. What's that talking about? Is it talking about your body? No. We can all look at our body and realize it don't look as good probably as what it really needs to. We can look at the realm of our soul. Is it talking about our soul? No. Because we have emotions and we have thoughts and we have things that still need to be worked out that's in the process of being changed. It's talking about the realm of our spirit. And in our spirit, we are just like Jesus. We are one with him. This is one of the ways that, I, that I, I look at this, and I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but sometimes, and maybe this is me, but Liz and I have talked about this, um, that a lot of times, you know, you have people that get married, and when they're, they're younger, they're, they really are very different people, but as they grow older together, and there is a oneness there when they get married, and when that marriage is consummated, there's a, there's a oneness and all that stuff that happens there, uh, but when they get older, isn't it interesting that you can look at, at people that are older and sometimes go... You guys are almost like the same person. They'll, they'll dress alike. Sometimes their hair will start looking alike. I mean, they'll, start, they'll have the same mannerisms. And it's because the more you spend time with somebody, the more you start to act like them. And the truth is, is that here we're already just like Jesus. But the goal is, is we have to get this renewed to look and reflect this so that we start to act like this, which is us and Jesus being one needs to become a reality in the realm of our soul. Hallelujah. So, with all that being said, I'm going to flip this around just one time, and I'm going to talk to you about the soul for just a little bit here. Can you guys handle a little bit more? Amen. Are you getting something out of this? I'm going to draw another another stick figure here, all right? And I'm going to give you some definition, and these are some things that the Lord has shown me. Oh, man, this is awful. I did a better job in my notepad here, but um, can someone come up here? Brooke, come up here real quick. Draw me something that kind of looks like that, but do a, do a better job. All right. <laughs> this kind of looks like that, to where it has a, a cavity that we can put some things some things in there. Okay. So just just go ahead and you just do that. All right. So we're going to talk about the different things. No, over here on this side. Be obedient. Right there. All right. It looks great already. You're just doing a great job. Isn't she doing wonderful? No, don't do the hands. Forget the hands. Forget the hands and the feet. We don't need those today, all right? We just need kind of just a neck and a cavity and some arms, and there you go. I knew she could do it. I could have done that, but I get really nervous in front of people trying to do things that I really have no anointing to do. You're doing really good. keep going. Keep going. Just hurry it up there, okay? I got people waiting on me. No, you're doing fine. I'm just kidding. You're doing good. You're doing good. Good. That's good. That's all I needed. That's it. Give her a hand. You did great. He did great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Wonderful. You may be seated. He's a little disproportioned, uh, but it's okay. It's on live stream. Hello to everyone on live stream. Now uh, the whole world can see it now. But in our in our soul. We have we have different parts that make up our soul, which I already mentioned, your mind, your will, your emotions, and your conscience. Now, for a lot of years, I just said your mind, will, and emotions. And what really changed my thinking was, well, first of all, I had a man in my life that he kept including the conscience in there. And I was like, I never really thought about the conscience being in there, but what is it? Is it different than the mind? Is it different than the other parts? And the answer is, yes, it is different. And here's the reason why I believe that it goes in the realm of your soul. So this is this is only the soul, okay? We're talking about the soul. And a lot of people get the soul and the spirit mixed up. And I believe that they're probably both spirit substance, but the soul has not been redeemed yet, just like our bodies haven't been redeemed. They've been purchased, but the full redemption has not taken place, and the full redemption will come... Uh, Probably at the second coming of the Lord, I'm guessing is the full redemption. I I couldn't answer that exactly, but uh, the soul is the area that's different. I believe it's spirit substance, but it's different than our spirit. All right, and so we have to we really have to understand that. Um, but our conscience—that's the point I was going to get at. Our conscience is something I struggled with for a long time, and but then I got to reading and I realized that the Bible talks about how that your conscience can be seared with a hot iron. That uh, that sin will sear your conscience. Um, that your conscience can be defiled, your conscience can be, um, uh, well, the Bible talks about your conscience being cleansed from dead works by the washing of the water of the word because we're, we're washed in the blood of Jesus and reminded that we don't have to have a heavy conscience because Jesus has cleansed us. So your conscience can have issues. Well, if you have any part of you that can have any issues, it's not in your spirit. Because when you got saved, your spirit got totally sealed. As a matter of fact, let's just, let me show you one quick verse here about your spirit that will help you understand this all the more better. Is everybody getting something out of this? So in Ephesians chapter 1, let me show you this. In verse uh, 12, it says, actually in verse 11, we'll start there, Ephesians 1, 11, it says, in, in him also... We have obtained an inheritance being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be the praise of his glory. In him, you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise." who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. So when it's saying that we're sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, the fact that the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of us and it's on the inside of our spirit man, and the reason we know that is because the presence of God doesn't dwell in anything that is not holy. And so if he was in your, he came to live in your body. Now, I know the Bible says that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, but it's just kind of like when you're looking at the temple in the Old Testament, you could see the, the outer courts, and then you would have the inner courts, and then you would have the most, the most uh, holy place, and someone could look and say the presence of God lives there. Well, was it in the outer courts? No. Was it in the inner courts? No. It was in the most holy place. So it's true our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. It's because we have on the inside of us the inner man is where the spirit the Holy Spirit actually dwells and lives on the inside. Now where was I going before I interrupted myself? I'm about 3 interruptions away from this. And so help me Jesus. I need my mind right now. Hallelujah. But yes, that's what I was going to say. So your holy the Holy Spirit is the seal and he's the guarantee of our redemption is what it says right here and what that means is it's it's like a down payment you ever you ever put a down payment on something before and you guys ever some of you I'm, there's a few gray hairs in here so I'm just gonna say it. you remember layaway right okay I wasn't I wasn't pointing at any gray hair all right but um I can remember when I was a kid that there was a time or two when my mom would put something on layaway now I don't know if anyone does do they do layaway anymore I don't they do oh wow okay Okay, I didn't know that. So, yeah, you could go and you could put someone on a layaway, and you would put, like, a down payment. Am I saying this right? This is how this works? So you would put, if it was $100, you'd put $20 down or whatever, and they would hold that, and then you would come back, and you would bring the rest of the money, and then you would take that thing. Well, that money was a guarantee that you were going to come... Now, there's probably people that didn't, all right? But it's not a perfect analogy because people mess up and God doesn't mess up. But it basically was a guarantee that you were going to come back and get that thing because you had invested interest. And when the, the Holy Spirit was given and poured out on us and placed into us, it wasn't that God didn't have invested interest in us, but indeed he had his very spirit and has his very spirit on the inside of us he has extreme invested interest in us. And when he comes back, he will remove the Holy Spirit and we will be coming with him. It is a guarantee of our purchased possession that Christ will redeem us once and for all to the, to the fullness. But this word here in verse 13, it says, you were sealed. Can we pull verse 13 up there? So this is Ephesians 1 and verse 13. And it says, and you were sealed. There it is. At the end, there it is, I'm trying to find it. In whom also, having believed, I'm on part B here, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Now this word sealed, from everything I can see it, means one of two things or both. One is, is that it's a seal like a um, like you would put, uh, like you would can something and you would seal it. And so, I don't know, does anybody do any canning in here? You like to can tomatoes or green beans or whatever? I don't, I don't know how to do all that stuff. But you put, people put like paraffin, or something like that over it is that right and, and it will it will seal it and that's so that no contaminants can get into it that's one explanation of what this word seal is talking about another explanation is that it's an insignia on it to where whenever is something is sealed it and it's sealed with the insignia of the king. It cannot be opened, which means that nobody else has access to what's going on on the inside. Either one of those things say that when you got saved, when you got born again, what took place on the inside isn't going to be touched by anything on the outside. You talk about blessed assurance. That's what you call eternal redemption. What the Lord has done, it's not going to ever be undone by whatever takes place on the outside, including your own soul and your own body. If we could undo what Christ did on the inside of us, then that would mean that we have more power than the power of Christ. Because what Adam did to bring the whole world into sin, we could not undo through actions Christ had to, do through, uh, had to undo it through his blood. So if we could undo what Christ did through our actions, then that would mean our bad actions are greater than his work that he did on the cross. And I say that's garbage. Amen. Okay, y'all with me still? So we've got, and I don't really know what they look like, all right? It just, just looks like a button up guy here, okay? So we have three parts that are in our, no, we have four parts, sorry. As soon as I said that, we have a mind, this is in our soul. I wasn't gonna be quite as teachy tonight, but it's okay. You guys getting something? I'm going I'm not talking so I can spell right because this morning I tried to spell Mephibosheth on the board and it did not go well. So we here as I will you come up and write this down as I as I explain this. That's great. Thank you, thank you, Vanna. Uh, so. So we're made up of these three parts. I'm gonna give you what I believe the Lord has really shown me what the, I'm sorry, these four parts are, what these four parts are inside of the soul. Just listen, you don't need my notes. Um, so your, your mind is, we like to have fun. The mind is your central processing unit. And so when you think about like a computer, and a computer has a central processing unit in it, right? And so that central processing unit Makes it's the determining factor, and I'm speaking way above my pay grade here, but it's the determining factor of what, everything that happens with that computer and even what's displayed on the screen. And if you have a Windows computer, you'll know that you've had viruses. And <laughs> you get viruses, and those viruses will display whatever on the screen. Amen. And so uh, you can have something that goes good inside of there, or you can have something that goes bad inside of there, and whatever takes place in there is going to make a determination what goes on with the rest of it. This is exactly how your mind works. Your mind is your central processing unit. Everything that takes place, in, not in your mind, but it's in your, it's in your mind. It's in your belief system, if you will. Everything that takes place in there, it is the determining factor what goes on in, in the rest of your life. A lot of times people get the mind and the brain confused, but they're different. Your mind feeds your brain. I've shared this a couple times in a couple different places, I think a couple weeks ago in Perryville. But your, your mind, the way that you think actually causes things, if it's negative, causes your brain to be rewired physically. And you, so we were made to operate and to think, only think inside of, of love. So your, your mind and your soul and your physical brain, they work in conjunction with each other. So your mind, the way that you think, your process, your central processing unit, it will have a cause and effect on your physical brain. It will have a cause and effect on your physical body. We know this because we know that stress is one of the number one causes for for, uh, heart problems, for high blood pressure, and all kinds of other things. They've even tied it to cancer. They've, They've tied it to a lot of things. And what is stress? Stress is uh, your body releasing hormones, something like that. Yeah, something like that. Just go with it or whatever. But is that right? Yeah, that's right. It's releasing hormones because it's in a fight or flight scenario even if it's not really a fight or flight scenario because you can have speculative imagination going on in your mind you're processing things that are in the future you're in fear about what's going to happen or not going to happen your body goes into fight or flight mode releases um, hormones into your body and it will literally change the pathway of the neurons in your brain So the way that we think, the way we process things has a direct effect on our body. And we are not made, God did not make us to operate outside of love. Every thought that we have should be in the realm of love. I wish I could tell you that every thought I had was inside the realm of love. I would be lying if I said that. But I am uh, on my way to every thought that I have being in the realm of love. And we were made to operate only inside the realm of love. And because we don't operate inside of there, we have had so much rewiring take place in our brain and our bodies, a lot of people actually need some physical healing to take place in their physical brain because of the way that they have been thinking for so long, the way that they have been processing things. And so in the realm of our soul, our mind, will, emotions, and conscience, we have had a lot of damage that has taken place. Some of it could be the way that we think, but some of it could be just stuff that has happened. Let me give you a short list of things that I've come up with. Here are things we've experienced or potentially experienced, or some of us experience a lot of these things, and these are things in the realm of the soul. Rejection, shame, condemnation, sin, judgment, speculative imagination, abuse, broken trust, Unhealthy addictions, uh, soul ties, hopelessness, fear, depression, regret, sadness, anxiety, unforgiveness, offense, uncontrolled emotions, sinful anger, rebellion, and lies. So, those are things that take place within inside the realm of the soul and when we camp on those things anybody in here ever been just been rejected before you ever you ever dealt with depression maybe even just on a small scale like you had a rough day and you just those things have an effect on us and by the way nothing's too far gone for the lord because he is our healer but when we learn to take authority over the realm of our soul the byproduct will be health in our body the byproduct will be health in our life the byproduct will be health in our relationships and so how do we get a healthier perspective about about who we really are and what God says about us? We have to go back and see what the word says about us. And I'm going to get I don't have time to get into that this week. We'll come back and hit more of that next week. But when you begin to see who you really are and you relate to the truth of what God says about you, who you really are in the spirit, your identity here begins to change. Your perspective uh, in the realm of the soul begins to change, and you will experience health in your body. You'll experience health in your relationships. You'll experience health in your finances. My, uh, my uh, spiritual father, Pastor Bobby, he told me, he said, everything needs healing. And when he said that, I thought, that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. And then I got to thinking about it, and I thought, he's exactly right. Stuff is broken, sick, messed up, all kinds of stuff is. Even inanimate objects that we've, we've got are, I say inanimate, inanimate objects, but like finances, for example. Um, that's not something we would ever think needs healing. But does oftentimes um, the level of, of prosperity or poverty that we're operating in not come from a place of brokenness inside of us? It needs healed so we can manifest outwardly what God has promised to us as his children, It says that you will prosper, beloved, I pray, above all things that you would prosper and be in health in proportion to or in accordance to the level of your soul prospering. Hallelujah. So your mind is your your central processing unit. Your will is what I refer to as your internal motivator. Your internal motivator. Now, this is, I, I try not to give any Kentology, but I'm giving you maybe just a little bit of my opinion here concerning these particular things. Um, the mind, I could back that up all day from the word as far as that being our central processing. It won't say CPU in the Bible, but you can come to that conclusion really really quickly. You can't do anything if you don't think it first. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Whether it's a great picture and a, and a, and a great um, have You have a great identity of who you really are in Christ, or it's something negative, it's something bad. As you think in your, in your heart, so are you. Why do you think the enemy is working so hard with our kids during this day that we're living in now to try to get them so focused? It's not, it's not, it's not just that they're questioning their physical identity. They're focused. They're enamored with it. They, they actually almost like it's become idolatry to them. Everything is wrapped up in, in sexual orientation. I can tell you now, I never thought anything like that when I was a kid. Never. Those thoughts never came to me. But now all of a sudden we have a, a pandemic of thoughts that are coming to these young kids if you need to question your sexual orientation. Why? Because those thoughts are being implanted into them and they don't know how to process it properly and because they don't have a good image of who they really are, they are accepting it as truth when indeed it's nothing but a lie. It goes right back to the whole attack of, of people's identity being attacked. Even at, even at a biological level, the enemy is working to have people have their identity in question. But see, when we know who we are in Christ and we funnel everything with who we are in Christ, it will change how we perceive ourselves and the level of manifestation we have of the the, the blessing and the person of Christ manifesting outwardly out of us. So your will is your internal inter, internal motivator and your will is basically a combination of your willingness and your obedience. It's your willingness and your obedience. And there's a, there's a difference between those two. In Isaiah chapter one and verse 19, it says, the willing and the obedient will eat the fruit of the land. And so you can be obedient but not be willing. You can be willing and not be obedient. People who are willing but don't have any obedience, those are ones that don't have any follow-through. They're like, I'll do it. I'll be there. It's Saturday morning at 9 a.m. And like, they're like, yeah, I'm there. I'm all in. But their follow-through is just not very good. You ever met anybody like that before? They're willing but they're not really obedient. But then you can have other people that they'll show up Saturday morning at 9 a.m. But they're a grouch And it wouldn't even matter if it was at noon. They'd still be a grouch. Why? Because they are obedient, but they're not willing. And see, when our wills get set into motion and they get aligned with the Lord, and it's really, truly lined up like it's supposed to be, we're not only obedient, but we're willing. We're not only willing, but we're obedient. And really, the Christian life, a big part of it, is an exchange of our wills. When Jesus said... Um, not my will be done, but your will be done, that language there was, he was telling the Father, I'm taking my will and I'm giving it to you and I'm embracing your will. How many of y'all know that God is always willing and he's always obedient? So that's what we're supposed to walk in and you can get, regardless of other stuff that's going on in your in your life, now, I mean, your mind, it really controls all of these things, but it's if you can almost look at These being different things than your mind, just like your physical brain is different than your heart, it's different than your kidneys, it's different than your lungs, but yet if your physical brain isn't there, none of those other things work properly. But those things have functions all on their own. And that's the exact same thing of how it is for these other parts. And so your will, when you get your you get your will, will set, it doesn't matter other things that would come to you. If your will is really set, you'll do what God's telling you to do. So then you've got your emotions. And I call emotions your internal indicator, your internal indicator. A lot of times emotions get a bad rap. Anybody ever had some bad emotions in here that made you want to give them a bad rap? Or we've heard a lot of teaching um, over the years especially through like faith, faith uh, ministers and teachers and stuff. And I'm, I mean, I consider myself a faith minister. I was telling Liz earlier, I'm like, how can you not believe faith? These people, they have such a problem with, with faith ministers and those faith preachers and stuff. I'm like, read the Bible. You, I mean, you, how can you get away from, I mean, if you don't want to believe it, throw Jesus out, throw Paul out, throw Peter out, throw John out. And anybody else I'm missing in the new in the New Testament? I think that's all of them, probably. Well, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John; those two, those as well. Uh, those were all faith guys. They were in a covenant of faith. They, anyways. Side nugget. Shoot that! Shoot that rabbit. Where's it going? Yeah. And emotions have gotten a bad rap a lot of times because people are like, we're of faith, and we go by faith, and we go, don't go by feelings. Well, you know, the deal is, is that when you hang around prophetic people, and we got a lot of prophetic people, even quite a few in this room, but I have just, like, they just, like, come around me. I just attract prophetic people. And prophetic people are, are feely. Like, sometimes they're like, I really feel this, and I really feel that, and that bothered me for a while. And I'm like, but the Word says, you know. But I've learned I've learned a lot from those people, and I've learned to be able to trust them because they will sense things and feel things. Your feelings are not evil. God gave them to you. And your feelings can work as an internal indicator. It's almost its almost kind of like if you got, um, you know, if you're driving, like when we were on the way here, um, my gas gauge was was way down, and my light came on, and then another light came on. It's like, dude, you're running out of gas. You need to stop. And so... You know, and it was like, it was almost like the emotions of my car warning me that something was wrong or was going to be wrong. And your emotions, God can use your emotions like that to where you can, you ever been somewhere before and you just, you, you can be happy and all of a sudden you get really agitated. And I've learned this, like I'll have this in worship, this will happen a lot, I'm not, I don't always get mad, but I'll get sad, I'll get mad, I'll have a, um, Some Just the pain that will go on, I'm like, Lord, what are you saying? And he'll use my emotions to get my attention to show me that that there's some things that need to happen in that realm, in that area that people need to receive in. And so your emotions can work as an indicator, and not just for that, but even for your own self. If you find yourself getting really angry about something all the time, then you can look at that and go, okay, my emotions are telling me that there's something wrong going on in here. I need to change the way that I'm thinking because I shouldn't be getting mad at this thing all the time. I shouldn't be sad or upset every time I turn the news on. Well, you might need to turn the news off, but, I mean, if it's just destroying your life, your emotions can help you. They're like an internal indicator. And the last thing here is your conscience is an internal, what I call an internal decision maker. And so when your conscience is set right, you'll make right decisions, Because people will have, you know, their conscience, they will have uh, things come up and they can look back and they go, you know, I just really didn't quite feel right about that thing, but I went ahead and did it anyways, and some people say, well, that was the Holy Spirit, and it could have been the Holy Spirit. I wouldn't, I'm not saying that. But a lot of times, it's just your conscience that's already programmed, especially when you've been in the Word, you've been with the Lord, then it's kind of already programmed or, or set to such a way that it will tell you, don't do that, don't go down that road, don't do that thing. It's like a it's like a warning. And if you will heed that warning, then it will help you. Uh, actually it will be a blessing to you instead of it being a, a, a hindrance or, or a hurt to you. And so, but you have to make sure your conscience is in good good shape. If you're living in sin, you'll sear your conscience and your conscience will be of little to no value to you because it's so messed up from, from the sin you're living in that it really won't be very helpful to you. If your conscience is heavy, if you have a sin consciousness it also will be messed up. If you're always thinking about the sin that you did and how you missed it and how you blew it and you're dealing with sin and condemnation, that will cause your conscience to be heavy. It also will not be very help, helpful to like, like that to you. So you need to have a conscience free of sin and you also need to have a conscience that's free of shame. And when you do that, it will work as an internal decision maker for you. And it's kind of like this. It's kind of like almost like a nervous system. And you know... Uh, I, have you ever put your hand over, I just did this not long ago, uh, and it could have been bad if I hadn't had, had any nerves, but I reached down on something on the stove, oh, I remember what it was, my motives were impure. I was cleaning up my mess from breakfast because somebody else was there, and I'm like, I'm going to clean, <laughs> yeah. And normally I might have left the dish there. Okay, that's another thing for another time. But I'm like, I'm going to clean it up. And it, it was still hot. The pan was hot. Now I'm just kidding. My motives weren't impure. But, but I remember thinking, I'm really going to clean this. And the pan was hot. And I, and I burnt my hand on it. Okay, forget all that. Another rabbit, okay? Um, but I burnt my hand. But I burnt it quickly and moved my hand away. You know why? Because my nerves told me that's hot. And you're gonna scold your skin if you leave your hand on that hot pan any longer. And so that's a blessing because if you didn't have you didn't have nerves, you know, you could imagine if you've got a hot stove and you just stand there and you're just talking to somebody or whatever, next thing you look down, your hand is gone. Aren't you glad you got nerves that would tell you that, hey, it's hot and you don't wanna burn your flesh off? Well, your conscience works the exact same way. That you can have something that if if you have a conscience that you're And it's and it's really it's it's kind of finicky. If you want it to work right, you got to keep yourself at a place to where God is involved with your conscience and the Word is involved with your conscience, and you're sensitive to it. But if you do that, it will really help you and keep you out of harm's way. It also works like an alarm clock. And you know, an an, an alarm clock. You know, we wake up to the or whatever whatever it is that wakes you up in the morning. And we do that, and it's it's to wake us up and to get us to go a different direction or to stop doing what we're doing and to go a different direction, right? Stop sleeping, we wake up and we go on with with our day. Well, here's the deal is that although that helps you at the moment, you don't keep that going all day long. But you know, a lot of people do that with their conscience. They go to do something or watch something or whatever, and their conscience will say, No, 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 don't do that. <laughs> And then they allow their conscience to continue alarming them all day long until they're driven insane, heavy with guilt and shame. The enemy just keeps, you hit the snooze button, and, and he sets it off again. You hit the snooze button, and he sets it off again. That's why you don't hit the snooze button. You wake up, thank God for the alarm clock, and then you turn it to the off position. And don't allow the enemy to come and beat you over the head with whatever it was that you almost did or did do, and then your conscience told you don't do that thing. But you don't let the enemy keep turning the alarm clock on and drive you insane. Come on, I know I'm talking to some people in here You know exactly what I'm talking about. Amen. Hallelujah. So I have a whole other message, but I'm completely out of time, Uh, an extension to this message. And, uh, but I hope this really, really helps you be able to see some things that are that are going on, the inner workings of what take place inside of us. And if you can see this, you can understand this. This will really, really help you begin to move things in the right direction. And it's not our it's not our spirit that needs to change. It really is the realm of our soul that needs to change. Our mind, will, emotions, and conscience. That's the part that needs to come into alignment with the word, needs to come into alignment with who God says that we are, our spirit man. And when you do that, and when you move in that direction, things will start to work out for you. Hallelujah. You don't need your spirit to grow. You don't need your spirit to, to change. You don't need your spirit to get stronger. I know people say things like that, and that's fine, but it's not true. Your spirit is a strong and powerful, and true, and rich, and prosperous, and healthy, and whole, and every great thing you could ever say about it—that is true of your spirit. And the reason that's so important, you go, well, why is that so important? Because it's it's easier to man- manifest something you already have than to go get something you don't have. If you got to go get this stuff from God, good luck. <laughs> He's the God that changes not. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he's made his mind up about something, good luck changing his mind. There's a couple people that did it in the Bible, Moses and Abraham, the only ones I can think of. I'm sure there was a few other ones. But we don't have to go to the Lord like that, like all of the blessing and favor and benefit and healing and deliverance and salvation and freedom, everything you'll ever need, it's already on the inside of your spirit. And when we get our minds into alignment with what's true in our spirit, we'll manifest the life of God no matter what it is that we need, we will prosper in proportion or to the degree that our soul, our mind, will, and emotions prospers. If God is changing your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. If you would like to give or would like more information on how we are making a difference, visit overcomerschurchinternational.com.